0: and then, here and there, and always at sexpotcomedy.com.
1: Hey everyone, it's Ron Doyle. I want to quickly tell you about a few upcoming events. First, a moment of truth, our special all-improvised storytelling collaboration with Finest City Improv is this Saturday, April 16th in San Diego, so be sure to grab your tickets at finestcityimprov.com. And in Denver, we are teaming up with the Forum Stories and the Misunderstood podcast on May 14th for a special evening entitled Totally Normal, where narrator's favorites like Timmy Lasley and Debbie Shear will be sharing stories about the humanity, humor, and totally ordinary world of mental health. And right now at Bumport Theater in Denver, our beloved co-host Aaron Rollman is doing a solo one-act play entitled The Rembrandt Room. Now, we don't normally promote Bumport's shows on our podcast, since they are works of fiction, but this one is super special. It feels like something you'd see at the narrators. It's this smart, funny, and just intensely personal story told by the most peculiar museum docent in the world. I saw the show on opening night, and Aaron puts on an incredible performance, one that cannot be missed. So please make your reservations now at bumport.com. And of course, if you haven't already, please like our page on Facebook to stay up to date on all of these events and more. All right, on with the show.
0: Next storyteller. All right, next storyteller.
1: This next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. This week's story comes from Ray Moore, who talks about growing up as a homeschooled child with her three siblings. Most of those siblings were sitting directly in front of me at the show, and the connection was just palpable and adorable, and you know what? I'm going to shut up now and just let her do the talking. This story was recorded live on February 17th at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the evening was DIY or Die.
0: So... When you homeschool, people tend to worry a lot that you're never going to be able to relate normally to others because you've had so few normal childhood experiences. Um, I have uh, two sisters and a brother. Most of them are here tonight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, We all homeschooled. That's why I brought it up. Um, And you would be shocked how much the idea of a bunch of kids having to figure out absolutely everything by themselves makes people fear that they'll be able to figure out absolutely nothing like and it's like I, I kind of get it, yeah, but at the same time, like not really you get, cause like, homeschooling is the ultimate DIY commitment, right? If you do it straight through, you're looking at a 13-year freefall from preschool to college with nobody to tell you how to do it right, and everyone prepared to tell you that you're doing it wrong, and they will, and they do. And even when they're not actually saying so, it's just these vibes. You get from all directions, and yeah, there's concern about your ability to keep up academically and things like that, but by and large, the blaring message is that because of all this stuff, all of these real schoolers, as we call them, are experiencing. <laughs> That's real. I didn't know you guys didn't call yourselves that for a long time. <laughs> there's all this stuff happening to these people out there. And socially speaking, there's going to come a time where they will all just leave you behind. Because of this stuff that you don't know, that you didn't know what it, what it is. And as a child, that is terrifying, right? That based on this decision that you had no say in whatsoever, there's going to come a point in your life where you will just be absolutely paralyzed, and that's it. You can't catch up anymore. So based on a combination of that fear and obvious natural curiosity over what the big deal is, all this stuff that everybody's doing out there, oddly enough, a lot of our make-believe revolved around trying to simulate what we imagined a normal upbringing to be. Um, so in a very real sense, you could say that in the Moore household, homeschooling was kind of a family-wide DIY project to create homemade versions of all of these experiences so that maybe we won't fall so far behind one day. And <laughs> there's kind of a problem there, though, in that none of us had been to real school. So we didn't have great... Resources for our information about that. It came largely from, like, books and Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> which we never missed an episode of, because my mom had such a bad crush on pie Ingles. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She would give us extra credit in history if we'd watch it with her, because that's how bad she didn't want to miss it. <laughs> uh, let's see, there's that. Um, Lizzie McGuire, if you're at a friend's house who had cable. Clueless was definitely an influence. Um, and you know, probably most importantly, uh, mom's aggravated notices any time you'd just done something that would have absolutely been cause for expulsion if you were in real school, and, uh, which we took her to wood for, obviously. <laughs> and mom didn't miss an opportunity to remind us how easy we were getting it. We all knew we would be toast if we had to stand up to the grading scale of a teacher who was not related to us. Not real, by the way. When your teachers know that you won't love them forever no matter what because you're biologically predisposed to, they give you real grades. Like, I mean, not real grades, sorry. Mom was a way harsher grader than any of them were. But so, you know, that had us nervous about school and everything too and probably is what inspired a game that my younger sister and I had cleverly named Real School (laughs) in which we set up a fake classroom of desks out of encyclopedia Britannica's. And... We'd prop up all our American Girl dolls and some of our stuffed animals and stuff, and uh, I would administer a spelling test. And uh, you know, we'd cut up teeny-tiny pieces of wide-ruled paper and sharpen down teeny-tiny number-two pencils because Mom hated that. All of the pencils were two inches long. Um, and uh, so I'd read off all these words, right? And then when the timer went off, Allison was my TA, and she would go and collect up all of the papers for me, and she would bring them up to my desk, And I would stack them all upright, and I would very carefully pull out my fat red marker, and I'd go through every single one, and I'd yell, F, 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 F! And then I'd grab a fistful of them, and I'd throw them on their faces and yell, You're all expelled! Because this is real school! (laughs) And that's what we did for fun. But it was actually a lot more fun than it sounds. (laughs) Naturally, we were way more worried about the fun things we were missing out on, though. (laughs) Like... Oh, God, I remember I was so hung up on, like, the gossipy bad girl nature of note passing that I saw in Lizzie McGuire, because it's so totally not allowed and so totally the only way to find out anything worth knowing. Uh, So my big sister and I wanted to get in on this, but we had a problem in that our school desks were in two different rooms opposite a hallway from each other, and obviously no classmates to facilitate passing along the distance, so... We did what we assumed normal schoolers would do, and we fashioned a pulley system. <laughs> we put a push pin in the side of each of our desks to hold up a really big loop of yarn, and we'd have a stash of, uh, what is it called, clothespins in our top drawer of our desk. And so you'd scrawl out your note, and you clip it on one side of the loop, and then you pull, pull, pull the other one, and... Inevitably it falls off halfway there, and you have to run to the hallway and clip it back on and run back to your desk and pull it the rest of the way. <laughs> an amount of effort which is entirely worth the kind of juice that we had to share in a schoolhouse of four people. <laughs> like, if I can give you uh, an example, note passing conversation between my big sister and I. It was something like: "Me, hey." What are you working on? <laughs> yeah, 20 minutes of pulling later. Um, Elena, math, and then me, me too. End of conversation. Like, what What are we going to talk about? i mean, like, oh, are you going to prom this weekend? Like, duh, you're coming to prom this weekend. What I want to know is, which date do I get? Um, because we did throw our own proms, by the way. <laughs> because if the movies teach us anything, it's women, it's that the closest you can get to the human value of being someone's wife is being someone's prom date. And we're not about to miss out on that, just because mom thinks that real school is inappropriate. So um, naturally, not a lot of dates to choose from in a family-only school situation. So. Uh, What we did to accommodate for that is we would flip the broom and mop upside down. And you could hang a hanger through the bristles, so you have kind of these shoulders to build from, right? (laughs) This is a whole different level of DIY I wasn't planning to get into. And uh, you put one of dad's dress shirts and a blazer on there, and uh, yeah, boom, bam, you got two prom dates. (laughs) That's all it takes. (laughs) Um, So every prom day, (laughs) every prom day we had the exact same fight, and I lost it every time because assertiveness was something nobody told me I was missing until my 20s. Um, And the fight was that we both wanted to take the broom to prom (laughs) because the broom had this cool high top haircut, whereas the mop was like the weird ponytail guy. And I always got stuck with the weird ponytail guy every time, and I got so mad. Which is a horrible irony now because as an adult, I am crazy about long-haired men and I can't find one. Um, I don't know if that's my stubbornness to show her I wanted that all along or what. Um, So it doesn't take a ton of coordination to put this kind of a prom together. So we had through proms all the time, way more often than once a year for sure. but never on Saturdays was the one exception, because Saturday was Mom's deep cleaning day, and as I don't need to tell any of you, ballroom dancing with the broom and mop when they are otherwise needed for cleaning purposes is grounds for expulsion if you're in real school. <laughs> I mean, obviously okay after that really big initial first chunk of homeschooling. Eventually, we did get to test out a little bit of real schooling and private schooling, which is, I guess, real school too, kind of. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Did any of you go to private school? It doesn't feel very real. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, you know, much time has passed. Childhood is over. We're all adults now. Over the last five years or so, we've been scattered all over the states, living in different cities and having ample opportunity to test out all these DIY social skills that we had developed for ourselves. And honestly, it's gone very well. We blend in pretty nicely, as long as you don't just start spotting stories about ballroom dancing with your mop, people usually don't know (laughs) the difference. Um, (laughs) So, you know, all those years of painting over this horror that there was going to come a time one day when society was just going to pass us all by and there's nothing we can do about it, Um, you know, turned out to be pretty ill-conceived since, you know, obviously it's working out for us now. But more importantly, it turned out to be pretty relevant because after all those years of weaving our own small world based on speculations about the big one outside, once we all made it out into that big world. Turns out, we don't want to talk to anybody else anyway. (laughs) So, in December of 2015, three of the four of us sold everything that we had and moved within a half mile radius of each other in downtown Denver. Um, Because we decided as a collective that, while It's an enormous relief to know that we can do life with all you regos, and it doesn't matter. We would rather go back to doing life ourselves, but together. And it is so damn good to be home. Ray Moore, everyone! How long does it take you to pass a note around the half-mile radius downtown on the strings? I assume you hooked that system up
1: downtown like I just Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our intern is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew A Very special thanks to our amazing sponsors... Legal Pete's, Greater Than Records, Sexy Pizza, Sexbot Comedy, From the Hip Photo, and Breckenridge Brewery. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, And for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.